and encouraged by the Lord. And that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. If you have your Bibles nearby, why don't you join me in turning to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 is where we're going to be in our, our study tonight. I heard a story of an event that took place at the uh, Tournament of Roses Parade. Uh, the story told of a float that came around the corner there on Colorado in Pasadena and the float was moving along and people were enjoying the beauty of the moving parts on the float. They were enjoying the beauty of the flowers and of course everyone's excited on that day and that place and as the float came around it kind of sputtered and came to a stop. Nobody was really sure what to do. It was kind of awkward. Of course, when that happened, the float behind it had to stop, and the marching band behind that float had to stop, and the the guys on the horses behind the marching band had to stop, and it was just a huge traffic jam. Everything came to a stop because one float stopped in the middle of the parade. Well, after just a moment, nothing seemed to happen. Finally, a little golf cart pulled up, and a couple workers got out of the golf cart, and they went over to the back of the float, and you could kind of see them help themselves under a little floral thing, and uh, they walked over there with their toolbox, and a moment later, they came out with their toolbox, and the float was still not moving, so then they went back to their golf cart, and they got a can of gas, and they walked back to the float, and you could just see a little bit the can being tipped there and gas filling up the float. And a few minutes later, the float fired up, and it was back on its way. But the irony in that moment was the fact that that float was sponsored by the Standard Oil Company. <laughs> With their vast reserves of oil, their float, on the biggest parade day of them all, their float came to a stop because it ran out of power. And I think in some ways, that's how a lot of Christians live their lives. With all the power of God at our disposal, sometimes we just sputter through life, and sometimes we sputter to a stop, and sometimes when God wants to enable us to to do things beyond even our imagination, we seem to be running low on fuel, and our theme this night is refuel, and it's an important theme because if we don't know how to access God's power in our lives, we will all run the risk of slowing down and, and coming to a stop, and I have found that Christians who grow weary and faint in their lives, they give up the opportunity to accomplish the great things in life that God has for us to accomplish. Paul wrote in Galatians 6 and verse 9, he said, Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Let me paraphrase that just to apply it to our evening tonight. There's no harvest if we don't learn how to be refueled. We can't be in the fields getting the job done if we don't have the fuel that's needed. And there is a reward for those in life who faint not. And the reward is seeing God accomplish a work in us and through us that could not be accomplished without Him. I've shared with our church at times that that I love all the seasons, and I love the summer season. And here we are in the days they're calling the dog days of summer. And Let me share with you something I've observed about the summer season. I've found the summer to be a time when people often run out of gas. A time where in the midst of this season, for whatever reason, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, relationally, we can... We can run out of gas. And so we're going to invest this night in learning how we can enjoy the fuel needed in life and that fuel that comes only from God. We have a great passage before us tonight. If you have your Bibles nearby, why don't you open them up with me? We're going to look at a few verses tonight. I'll reference several others, but we'll spend the most of our time right here in in this study. Let's begin our reading tonight in uh, verse 15. The Bible here says, For all things are for your sakes. That the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. And so we find here that all things 
All means all, that's all all means. All things are for our sakes. They all serve a purpose. They all have a point. There's a reason for it all. And the end of verse 15 basically lets us know it's for the glory of God. Verse 16 says this, For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. So, for the which cause we faint not. Textually, we'd understand that cause to be the cause of God. But as we understand this with verse 15 in mind, because God's using everything in our lives for a purpose and to bring Him glory, when we have that understanding, there's, there's no need to faint. You don't want to quit. You don't want to run out of gas and get stranded on Colorado Avenue in Pasadena on the parade day of your life. Verse 17. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal or or temporary, they're passing. But the things which are not seen are eternal. Now, if there's one word you want to draw your attention to tonight, I would say we need to go back to one of the last few words mentioned in verse 16, and it would be the word renewed. Renewed. I think tonight we could say that word would maybe also be translated for us as refueled. And I want us to talk about that together tonight. Let's have a word of prayer. Our Father, thank you for this evening, for the opportunity we have in the middle of the summer to... uh, kind of take a break from the routine and gather together for a special time. I pray you'd bless the teens and their special service tonight and the children and theirs. And, and yet, Lord, in this room, there are people that you've brought to this place to receive this message. May I not do anything to prohibit the work that you want to do at this time. Lord, we love you, and as we've sung already tonight, we do need you. We ask this prayer in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. The letters uh, 1 and 2 Corinthians were written by the Apostle Paul to the church at Corinth. Now, we know a few things about Corinth. One of the things we know about Corinth, it was really a wicked place. It was a place that had a lot of commerce and trade. A lot of cargo went through there. A lot of shipping went through there. Being a town associated with all of that meant that it brought people in from all over the world. And as is so often the case in cosmopolitan areas, they bring their vices from all over the world. And Corinth was known as a place of great wickedness, great immorality. The people there were greedy people. Corinth was not a great place in that regard and unfortunately the church in Corinth began rather than changing their community their community began to change them the church in Corinth became known as a church that was filled with sin there was infighting there was immorality there were all kinds of problems jealousy envy all of these things were at work in the midst of that church and so the apostle Paul under the inspiration of God wrote the letters of first and second Corinthians and and they're pretty rough letters he takes them to task he lets them know what they're doing is wrong and they need to get things straightened up and and so these letters were really written to correct these Christians who were living life in the wrong way So to encourage them in their pursuit of Jesus Christ, Paul penned these words that we've just read together, and he lets them know there's a reason for everything that comes into our lives. He lets them know that as we go through life, that God can use these things to help us to more closely resemble Jesus Christ and to affect change in our world rather than our world changing us. As Paul began his remarks in verse 15, we see some truths together, and I'd encourage you, if you have your notes nearby, take a look at those. I want us to begin tonight in our study by seeing the purpose of refueling. Listen again to what Paul wrote here. We read this. He said, For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. 
Now, Paul was teaching that the various things through which we go in life, they seem to drain our tanks on occasion. They seem to wear us out. They seem to bring us to a point where we think we're going to sputter and we're just going to stop moving forward in life. We all go through those times. We all go through those seasons. But Paul is making the point here that God in His grace and His goodness and in His design for our lives allows all these things to work in such a way where God can receive more glory from us. Paul was literally sharing that the draining times in life help us to fulfill our objective in life. We can't be what God would have us to be and we can't do what God would have us to do without all these things, including these difficult things that sometimes come into our lives and seem to wear us out. Earlier to this same church, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 31, he said, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do it all to the glory of God. And Paul's emphasizing in this passage of Scripture into this church family, look, whatever it is that you're doing in your life, even the trying times, even the stressful times, in those moments, be careful to give God glory from your life. The sum total of our life is to give God the honor, the esteem, and the glory that He and He alone deserves. And trials provide an occasion to do this unlike any other time. I'm saying those times in life where you feel like you're running low, they more than any other time provide an occasion for us to give honor and glory to the Lord. Now if you're in a moment of peace in your life, I want you to know that it's not because there's no battles around, it's because you've just come through a battle. That's how that works. Everything that God does in our life is for a purpose. And sometimes when we're in the midst of these trying times, it can get overwhelming. I heard a story recently of, uh, of a young lady that was going through a terrible time. I mean, just trial after trial, each one seemed to get worse. When she went through one thing, finally there was something else that seemed to be even a, a bigger problem in her life. And she really began to become discouraged, and she felt like all these trials are bringing me to the point where I'm kind of giving up on some of my dreams. I'm thinking, you know, maybe the life I had hoped to one day live is just not in the cards for me. It's not going to work out. And, and she was kind of to the point in her discouragement where she was just to say maybe I should lower the bar maybe I shouldn't have any expectation of of finding a refueling of sorts in my life I'm just going to sell myself short story said that she went home and she began to talk to her mom and she told her mom all these things and her mom was working in the kitchen as they were talking and uh, she's kind of outlining some of these trials and the difficulties and the mom is listening and and as they're going through this conversation the, the young lady was just talking 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 the mom was just listening 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 and and finally, the mom asked something of her daughter. She said, honey, listen, here's what I want you to do. I, I've tried to listen. And, and the daughter said, you, you have listened, mom. You're not saying much. And you are listening. And, and the mom said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to just stop talking. Just stand with me here in the kitchen. I've got some cooking to do. I just want you to stand here. Don't say a word. Just, just stand here with me while I cook. And, and as the mom was doing some cooking, she, she got out a few pans. And as she got her pans, she began to fill them with water. And as they were filled with water, she took the pans and she put them on the fire on the stove. And the water in the pans is now getting hotter and hotter. And after a few moments, it kind of begins to simmer. And after about 20 minutes, you know what happens inevitably. The water water begins to boil and and all this time is going by all these moments are going by and and the mom's not saying anything and the daughter's not saying anything they've they've just got some pots on the stove and the water's now beginning to boil the daughter's wondering wondering what in the world's going on well the mom took out some 
some ingredients. She, she took out a carrot and she began to cut it up and get it in little sizes. And, and she took this and she asked her daughter, what do you see? And the daughter said, well, a carrot. She said, yes, very good. And, and she put the carrot in the boiling water. And then, then she got out a, a carton of eggs and she took some of the eggs out and, and uh, she asked her daughter, what do you see here? And the daughter said, those are eggs, Mom. I, I know what eggs are. And she said, very good, great. And so she took out some of the eggs and she put the eggs in, in, in the boiling water. And then she took out some coffee, and, and uh, the coffee she took out was, was coffee that she could put in a little strainer and put it in the midst of the water, and, and she held it up like, you know this one? And the daughter said, yes, Mom, I know coffee. And, and she took the coffee and put it in the strainer and put the coffee in the water, and more time went by, no talking. The daughter's standing there, a little bit impatient. The mom's not saying a word. She's just over here working in the kitchen. The things are on the stove. Things are simmering. Things are cooking. And, and after, after some time, uh, the, the, the mom told the daughter, I want you to look very, very closely. She said, I want you to look in that pot. What do you see? And, and the daughter said, well, carrot, uh, carrots, Mom. I see carrots in there. She said, look more closely. Well, the daughter began to look more closely, and as she looked, she, she took a little bit out, and she noticed that they had changed a little in the process. They were kind of hard, you know. They were rather stout. They had a little strength to them, but after a little time in the hot water, they, they were a little bit mushy. And, and so she said, well, I, I see carrots, and, and uh, maybe they're a little mushier than they were. And, and the mom said, good, very good. And, and she said, look, at, look in this pot. What do you see in there, honey? And, and the daughter said, well, I see the eggs. And she said, well, look closer. The daughter began to look at those eggs and finally she took one out and she broke the shell and sure enough the egg had become hard boiled and she said well this egg I guess was running on the inside and, and now it's a hard boiled egg it's become hardened on the inside the mom said great uh, what do you see in this pot and she got out a pot a, a, or a cup of coffee and she took a sip of it and she said it's coffee it's coffee the mom said very good and nothing and the daughter's thinking you know is it time to put mom in the home? What's going on exactly, you know? And she said, Mom, why, why, did, you, why did you go through all that? She said, Honey, I want you to know you're not going to make it through life without going through some hot water. You're not going to make it through life without some trials. And the mom said, I found that there are a lot of people that they, they think they're strong in life. They have some substance to them. They think they're going to bend and not break. But when they go through the hot water, they fall to pieces. That strength was a facade. They were trusting in themselves. And rather than emerging stronger from a trial, they come through it a little mushy. It, it just seems to take them and, and run them over and make them worse for it. Other people are like the eggs. They go through trials. And, 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 and these people that once were soft on the inside and tender on the inside and compassionate it on the inside they go through some difficulties in life and they begin to get hardened on the inside things might look the same on the outside but this heart that once was moldable and pliable and compassionate and tender now it's hardened she said you don't want to be like the carrots or the eggs the daughter said well, well what about the coffee she said well you'll notice the coffee was not impacted by the pot near as much as the water in the pot was impacted by the coffee. It changed the environment. You know, we're all going to go through these times in life where we feel like, man, it's just one thing after another. 
sometimes one bigger thing after another. We're going to have those times where we go through difficulties. And, and it's in times like that, really, where God wants to remind us everything you go through in life is for a purpose. And your objective in life and the good times and the tough times and, and the easy times, are uh, the, the, the purpose, the objective of it all, it doesn't change. It's to give God glory. God's given us life and everything that we go through is for that purpose. Look, w- when we go through those things, God wants us to be reminded of this. These moments are gifts from God. They're gifts from God. We want a life of substance. We want a life of meaning. We want a life of a purpose, but we don't want to go through the water. We don't want to go through the fire. And I want to remind you that if it's not for those difficult seasons in life, there's no substance. There's no weight. There's there's no gravitas to our lives. People would say, well, I would have loved maybe to have had the notoriety or the fame of a David. And I want to remind you that although God knew what David was doing, and although that David knew what God was doing, and Samuel was in on it, and some family members had an idea Nobody in the world knew who David was. Nobody in the world knew what he was capable of. But there was one day in his life where he had to stand before a giant. And as that giant looked down at him and that giant mocked him, David would have said, this is the hottest water I've ever been in in my life. This is the most difficult trial I've ever been in in my life. But it was that trial that gave David the notoriety that was needed to take the next steps in his life. And if we'd asked David that day, what's the hardest thing you've ever been through in your life, David? He'd say, I'm in it right now. Have you seen that giant? We put this auditorium together. Uh, There were some things I was very interested in. It's not built for an auditorium. We would have designed the the, the ceiling differently and so forth. We did the best we could, but I know that good services are too loud and they're too bright and they're too cold. I'm exaggerating to make a point, but we wanted to do our best to keep the climate as good as possible and we wanted the sound to be as good as it could possibly be and I wanted the light to be great. We spent too much money on all these lights, but we wanted to to get it right. People sometimes see those lights and think, why'd you do that? I'll tell you why. Because the majority of my communication comes through expressions. We communicate as much or more through body language, even in a setting like this, than, than we do any other way. And I didn't want my face to be dark. Now, I don't think I have an attractive face. It's not that I wanted everybody to see me for vain reasons, but I know if I'm up here trying to communicate with people, I wanted the, the light on me. But you know, I've noticed that because of the light, there's something else that happens. A little heat comes along with it. If you want to know where the hottest spot in all of this building is, you stand right here and you'll discover that those lights, they, they cast something else with, with those light rays. They cast a little heat. Sometimes people say, it's so cold in the auditorium. And I'm thinking, if they could just stand where I am for a minute, they'd say, poor pastor, let it be cold. He's up there roasting, you know. Yet how many Christians would say, God, would you give me a little light? I want to know where you are, and I want to see the way, and I want to see the path. God, I need a little light. When God puts the floodlight on our life that we need to know how to make the next step in life, it brings a little heat with it, and we resent the heat that God sent by way of the light into our lives to help us make the next move. Those moments are gifts from God. Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 said this in verses 8 and 9. He said, We would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure. We were pressed, he said, above strength, insomuch we despaired even of life. 
But we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raised the dead. I love what Paul said there. He he was saying, man, we had all kinds of trials that came into our lives, but we chose in the midst of the trials not to trust in ourselves, but to trust in God. We were running on empty. We were running low. We needed to be refueled. But in the midst of those trials that seemed to be draining us, rather than trusting in ourselves, we determined to trust in God. He just gave the whole situation over to God. He, he was the coffee who changed his surroundings. Think of the purpose of refueling. It's to give glory to God. But we've got to think also tonight, don't we, of the process of refueling. I often look at my sermons and I ask the question, why? Why is this topic worth talking about? It's the so what test. Why is this worthy of being discussed and then I, I always ask the how question and if you listen to me enough I've got a very predictable cadence I've got a very predictable method I, I've often told you I never got to take a class on how to how to prepare a sermon I took other classes and I managed to get through college but but when it comes to how to prepare a sermon I just look at a passage of scripture and I work and I pray and and uh, pour over it and, and and I do my best but we we look here and we we need to know the why why do we need to have a time of refueling well it's to glorify God well then we've got to know how how do we do that and i believe the how is found in verse 16 paul said for which cause we faint not but though our outward man perish yet the inward man is renewed day by day now the outward man that's a part of us that others see that's the physical it's what paul's going to later call the temporal or the temporary and i've got news about your outward man and my outward man they're going to slow down they're going to age in time and they're going to they're going to slow down that's the nature of it but paul shared there's another part of of each of us it's the inward man and the inward man can be renewed that means this the refueling in life is an inside job it's something that god wants to do in our lives god made the provision and he offers us the capacity to keep on keep on we don't have to create the fuel we don't have to drill for the fuel this is something that God and God alone does and Paul says you've got to understand this the outward man it's gonna it's gonna wind down in time but there's a part on the inside of you that God is designed to be refueled and he wants to do that work in our lives the Bible says in a day-by-day type of way I started exercising a while back, and I, I probably talk about it more than I should, but I'm, the more I talk about it, the more accountability I have in my life, you know, and, and uh, I found I have days where I get to the gym, and I'm just motivated. I'm motivated, and uh, I've got a little, you know, a little workout thing I go through, and I kind of set goals for myself, and I want to do better, and, and uh, man, I have times I go in there, and I tear it up. It's wonderful. I tear it up, and I have other days where I go in there, and the gym tears me up. It's different. And, you know, I got to looking at this, and I'll get through the workout, but maybe not as quick or, or, or something of that nature. And I hope I'm putting the effort in. I hope I'm working hard every time I go. I believe I am. But, but, you know, there are times where it just seems harder, and maybe the results don't seem to be as good sometimes than other times. And I've discovered a lot of times the reason for that, it's not because there's something just going on in the outward man. I already told you the outward man's going to wear out, but the problem isn't necessarily a, a muscle problem. The problem is the inside. I've noticed as I look back over, 
over it. There will be days I'll go into the gym and I bring the weight of the world with me. And I'm worried about this one over here and I'm praying about this burden over here and I'm thinking about this over here. And I've had days where the inward man is carrying a load and I go into the gym and when my mind and my heart are not as they need to be, while I'm there working out, I'm carrying these burdens with me and and I'm not getting as far as I want to go. I'm not getting the progress that I want because the inner man is not where it needs to be. The key to success in every aspect of life is making sure that we're right, not just on the outside, but that we're right on the inside. I I read a poem that I thought applied here. It says this, a little brown cork fell in the path of a whale who lashed it down with his angry tail. But in spite of its blows, it quickly arose and floated serenely before his nose. Said the cork to the whale, you may flap and sputter and frown, but you never, never can keep me down. For I'm made of the stuff that is buoyant enough to float instead of drown. I want us to think, what stuff did Paul have in his life that he could say, you know, we despaired even of life, but we just kept going. We kept trusting God. I'm going to tell you what he had. He had an awareness that there was a power on the inside of him that was greater than any power that would oppose him. He understood that. And it's a sad thing when Christians live their Christian life really without even an awareness that there's a God that can enable and equip us for the various things through which we'll go. Earlier in this chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we're having a lot of verses uh, coming out of these books to uh, the church in Corinth. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 1, the Bible says, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. We don't quit. We don't stop. We don't run out of gas on Colorado uh, Street in, in Pasadena on parade day of our life. He said, we, we don't faint. And then he added this in the same chapter a few verses later, verses 7 through 10. He said, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We're troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We're perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. You know what Paul was saying? He was saying, I can always float because of the refueling that comes from God. I can always make it regardless of what I'm going through because of what is on the inside of me. So how does this work? And Paul would say, I told you it's a day-by-day type of thing, and most Christians miss this point. If I were to say, how many think God has all the power needed for every trial in your life? You'd say, oh, I believe that. And if I were to say, how many of you think God is greater than than any any force that would come against you? How many of you believe greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world? As people of faith, we'd say, oh, I believe that, but we don't live like it, and there's this incongruity, and is it like, is it true or is it not true? And I believe the reason for that is because a lot of Christians miss this point. It's day by day, day by day. I've heard it said many times, Pastor, I, I had devotions last week and I, this week just feels so far from God. I, I've had people say, Pastor, I, I, I tithed once and I still got a flat tire. I, I still had a problem at my job. I, I mean, I tithed one time and it, I didn't instantly get rich. It just doesn't seem to be working for me. Others have said, you know, I, I served uh, in some event at the church and all I got out of it was tired. It just doesn't seem to be working for me. And there seems to be a notion that one giant act can gain us a refueling that will last for years and years and years. And it just does not work that way. If God empowered us like that, he would never hear from us again if everything were front loaded and we had all we need can you imagine how full of self we'd get and so god says let me help you out 
Yeah, you're going to have times when you go through the tough seasons, the hot water. And to get what you need on the inside, the part that matters most, it's a day-by-day proposition. I remember reading a story years ago of a very wealthy man, and he had a son, and he decided to give his son an allowance for the year. So he gave him all the money, and he noticed that he didn't hear from his son at all that year. His son thought he got everything he needed from his father, and that was the end of that. So the next year, the father had a different idea. He took the amount he was going to give his son, and he broke it into 365 parts, and he told his son, I'll give you your allowance one day at a time. Just come see me in the morning, and I'll give you what you need for that day. You know, we sometimes refer to spending time with God as walking with God or a devotional time or a quiet time, and whatever you choose to call it, that's fine with me. But may we not forget how super important it is that we take time every day of our lives to listen to God through His Word and spend time every day to talk to God in prayer, day by day. Our Father wants to give us everything we need in life, but He's not going to front load it all in such a way where we can say, hey, I'm saved, you've given it to me all, great. Hey, I'll see you when this physical life of mine is over. I'll see you in heaven, we'll talk then. I'll see you in heaven, it'll be just great. That's not how God works. He says, I saved you because I love you, and I want a relationship with you. And as my child, I want to hear from you every day, and I want to speak to you every day. It's imperative that we understand the day by day nature of the christian life think of that some christians have become carrots they go through difficulties they just fall to pieces they just fall to mush some become like eggs once tender-hearted we become cynical and jaded and hardened in life and we become bitter listen bitterness I'm, i'm convinced it kills more christians than just about anything we harbor unforgiveness we get angry about things and we hold on to that anger. We, we become like the eggs. We just we get hardened on the inside. And sometimes Christians entertain the thought that the Christian life doesn't work. And let me tell you why the Christian life doesn't work. It doesn't work because some Christians don't really live the Christian life. They're like saved people, but not like Christian people. Did you know you can be a saved and on your saved person on your way to heaven and not be a Christian? The word Christian means Christ-like one, and there are a lot of people who trusted Jesus as their Savior who aren't living at all like Jesus Christ. And so we go through the trying times, and we, we begin to run on fumes, and rather than to go to the source of the fuel that we need to do life the right way, we start running low, and our gauges on the dashboard of life start getting wacky, and rather than humbly coming to our Father who has all that we need, we get irritated, and we get upset, and we get angry, and we even begin to look at this Christian life that God and His grace has provided for us through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, and we think, you know, it just doesn't work, and what we need to understand in moments like that is the problem is not with God, it's our problem. We're not working it. We're not living it. We're not being it. And, and being leads to actions. You say, well, Pastor, what, what possibly could be done? Well, we could talk about so many different things. Abide in Christ, and that's not an action at all. That's just resting in Him. I'd encourage you to read the Bible. I'd encourage you to pray. I'd encourage you to tithe of your income. I'd encourage you to witness to the lost. I'd encourage you to live for Jesus. And you will find He's the type of Savior who prefers to keep His active duty soldiers well-equipped and fueled. And He does this day by day. Now, listen, I don't want to be rude because everything I'm saying tonight, it applies to me as much as anybody in this room. 
But sometimes we say, God, I need some fuel in life. And we'll say that in a way that's appropriate for us. I need a raise. Uh, I need some rest. I need help in my health. I need help in this relationship. And we go to God and we say, God, I need some fuel. But here's the thing. The pattern of our life, the preponderance of evidence in our life would reveal what God can see clearly when he looks in our hearts. He sees what we are doing is we're asking him for substance. We're asking him for stuff. We're asking him for strength with no intention of using it for his glory. And God just looks at us and says, no. No, I, I know you're in a storm, but I'm, I'm not going to. Why would I give you peace right now? So you can go through a storm of your own making because you've walked away from me? No, you need to get, you need to get shaken up right now. We've got to come to the place in our lives where we'll say, God, we understand the first point. It's all about your glory. And God, I want to understand that you will resource and equip and enable and provide for me as I come to the place in my life where I say, God, I'm going to walk with you day by day. And I want to use that which you bless me with so that I can live a life that glorifies you, a life that pleases you. Oh, I'm telling you, there is no life like the Christian life. But we have to come to this point where we'll say, God, uh, I, I need fueling and understanding that God is not... Uh, interested in, in, in giving us fuel so that we can do nothing with it for His glory. He wants us to live for Him. We've got to come day by day walking with Him. And I want us to see finally tonight the perspective that is gained in refueling. The perspective. Listen to how Paul finishes this off. In verses 17 and 18, he wrote this. He said, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us, a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Now I'm going to read on, but let's listen to what Paul just said. He said, we're going through some affliction right now. And it's serving the purpose that is eternal. It's working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. He said, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. It's interesting, Paul talks about looking at things that can't be seen. He's talking clearly about his perspective. He says, for the things which are seen are temporary, they're temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. What perspective did Paul glean in this understanding of what it is to be refueled in life? He understood the value is not just looking at the temporary or the temporal things in life. The value is looking at life and seeing the eternal component. It was seeing the bigger picture. It was seeing it's not always just about the here and now and the immediate, but understanding that in the mosaic of our lives and, and, and in the, the cosmos all around us, God has placed us in this situation for a reason there's a bigger picture we don't get all upset when we can't make sense of the very next step in front of us we just take it by faith understanding that god is big enough to figure it all out and when we gain that perspective in life we can keep on trucking mile after mile along the way notice paul put their attention back into the realm of the eternal he he said our affliction is light in comparison our afflictions are light in, in comparison to Jesus Christ. Now, Paul wasn't putting anyone down. He wasn't belittling anyone's struggles or trials. He, he wasn't making light of the things through which we go in life. No, he wasn't putting us down. What he was doing is lifting up Jesus. He said, we're all going to go through things in life, but he said, in a sense, in comparison to what our Lord and Savior went through, the worst we go through in comparison in comparison, it's light. He's putting the gaze on the eternal. He's putting our eyes 
on Jesus Christ. The writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 12 and verse 3 said this, Consider him, speaking of Jesus, consider Jesus that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. What was he saying? Hey, you're going to run out of gas in life if you don't consider Jesus. Think about Jesus. Ponder Jesus as you go through struggles. Think about Jesus and, and how he endured those times as people betray you and you're going to be betrayed by the most trusted confidants you'll ever have in the course of your life. People will turn on you and knife you in the back. And I think as we consider Jesus, we would see that he was betrayed and denied and his friends fled from him we can learn from jesus christ we're going to go through heartache we're going to go through difficulty we're going to go through physical pain and as we consider jesus we'll gain a perspective that will help us to see the eternal not just the temporary the point is that we can become wearied and faint when we fail to have this perspective but when we consider him seeing the eternal value we can be refueled and we'll find that the lord can work in our lives Uh, unfortunately um, pastors have really taken a hit in the way people view ministry. Um, I don't know the very lowest respected occupations in the world today, but pastors would be near the bottom of that list or top, whatever, whichever's worse, right? I guess they'd be at the top of the least respected professions. And there's a reason for that. There's been just some nationwide scandals, and there have been people who've done all kinds of terrible things. But I think for that reason, from time to time, people. Um, just feel led of something i don't know that it's of the lord but they just feel led to remind me that in the grand scheme of things uh, as a pastor um that 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 i'm i'm not important you know the thing is in times like that um i usually am pretty aware of how small i am and unimportant i i am i'm not perfect but If I struggle with pride, it's normally the side that feels like, I don't know if I can do this or not. It's not the side of pride that says, I can do everything. Just get out of my way and let me do it. Uh, Sometimes uh, uh, I I can use that reminder, but most of the time I'm pretty aware of how insignificant and unimportant I am. But here's the thing. As we live for God, we get to be a part of the most important work in the entire world. And our lives matter, not because we're better than anybody else. You're not better than me. I'm not better than you. And we're not better than anybody else. But, but as we come together and as we get involved in, in, in the work of the Christian life, what happens is God uses our life for, for the good of others. And as I love to say, for the glory of God the Father. And so in that sense, you are so very important. And there's a measure of importance in my life, not because we're anything. I, I, I know the criticisms that would come our way. And normally they, there's a little bit of truth in there. But I want to assure you with this tonight as we're refueled with the power of God and as God gives us that knowing that we have yielded to him and we're going to use the sustenance he gives us to do what he wants us to do you can rest assured that good things are going to come out of your life that's going to give God glory and help other people along the way there's an eternal component to life that makes our fuel gauge really important you see there's just too much at stake for you or me to slow down because we run out of gas. In World War II, Winston Churchill was asked to speak at a commencement ceremony for Oxford University. Of course, that's one of the most prominent universities in all of the world. And at that time and in those dark days, uh, people were a little bit surprised that he agreed to come to that speaking engagement. And she came to the auditorium where the meeting was to be held. It was absolutely jam-packed. And, of course, he would have arrived at, at the last minute. And he came in a side door. And as he walked in, it was classic Winston Churchill. He had on the top hat. He had a cigar in his mouth. And he was walking with the cane. And, and as he walked on the stage, exactly when it was time to speak, a hush fell over the crowd. 
he steadied his cane against the podium and he took his top hat off and, and he set it down and he took his cigar out of his mouth. And he stood there for a moment just in silence and people stared back. What's he gonna say? And in a dignified but in a booming way, Winston Churchill said, never give up. Then he was silent for a few more seconds. And then he said, never give up. And then he put his cigar back in his mouth. He picked up his hat and put it back on. He steadied himself with his cane. And that was the extent of his speech for that commencement. And what a great speech it was. Never give up. I've had people tell me in my life not to give up in one pursuit or another, but unless we know why we shouldn't give up and how to keep going, we've not really been helped. I want you to know that God would love nothing more than for you to become acquainted with His refueling process for your life. Because as you're refueled, the implication is that in your heart, you've already agreed with God that you're going to do with your life what it is that He wants you to do. That you're going to read the Bible and say, God, whatever I find in here, that's what I want to do. Uh, I, I'm going to let this be your love letter to me, but it also, in a sense, can serve as my to-do list in life. I want to do everything I find in the Word. And we're saying, God, as you'll enable me day by day, I want to walk with you. I want to learn of you. I want to read your Word, and I want to talk to you in prayer. And, and God, I want to do what you've given me to do. We see the purpose of it all. It's to give God glory. We see the process of it all. It's, it's a day-by-day thing. It's not going to even last you from one Sunday to the next. It's a day-by-day thing. And we see the perspective that comes from it. You see, we need never slow down, or as Winston Churchill would say, give up, because we're a part of the greatest work in all of the world. It's the work of God. There's not even a close second. The most important thing you do in life is get to know God and grow in your understanding of who He is and walk with Him in your life. And as Christians, there's great value in our coming together and say, God, we want to collectively as a church body serve you and bring you honor. And if there's to be any longevity in our consistency of Christian life, we have to learn what it is to be refueled. I wonder tonight, do you need to be refueled? And if so, I wonder, will you let this serve as a blessing in your life? This message will not refuel you. I can't refuel you. I can't do that. I can only refuel me. I can show you where the gas station is. I can show you how the pump works. I can, I can show you uh, uh, h- how it all is to come together. But I can't refuel you. I wonder tonight, will we make the decision, Lord, uh, I'm going to come to you. Refuel me. I'll yield to you. And I'll live for you. Lord, thanks for the opportunity just to have some time tonight, a little different setting to have this Bible study. Lord, I I really love the opportunity to uh, speak in an environment like this. And I pray that you'll allow this truth um, to not just entertain us for one night. I pray that you would allow this truth not to just maybe motivate us for a moment and send us home with a burst of enthusiasm at the prospect of refueling. I pray, Lord, that this truth would stir our hearts and that we would come to the place where we make a decision 
to walk with you day by day. Lord, how vain our life becomes uh, when it's just what we can produce in the energy and the efforts of our own flesh. I pray that we as people of faith would know what it is to be emptied of self so we can be filled with you and then to invest our life in living for that which pleases and honors you and that which brings you great glory. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for this evening. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, friends, I'm glad that you're, that you're here tonight. I hope this thought was a blessing to you in your life and uh, that it will encourage you. And Lord willing, that, that it will change us. Um, a couple quick announcements I'll make, and then we'll have Brother Ryan come and close us out. Uh, we have a men's breakfast.